Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to my... To my? What? Wow, I've already messed up this intro. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Dan's Miscellaneous Ramblings, episode 276. I'm super excited for this episode because I'm going to be talking about what I consider to be one of the... just, just It's just a wonderful topic. We're going to be talking about none other than the Man of War. Alright? Now, the Man of War can refer to several things. I'm going to go from... I, I'm going to list, like, I don't know, probably the top three that people usually think of. Um, at least in my experience. The first one is my least favorite. Uh, Man of War is a thoroughbred racehorse considered an all-time great. I don't like horses very much. Like, they're fun to ride. I don't really have anything notable against them. I'm just... I don't know. I don't consider them the greatest animal or anything. Like, there's some animals where I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a favorite of this. I have a favorite bee. It's the cerulean carpenter bee. I have a favorite frog, the mountain chicken. I have a favorite lots of things. But I don't want to have a favorite horse, okay? I don't know why I have this opinion. Uh, who knows? Who can say? Uh, maybe I'll go talk to my therapist about that one. But... Manowar was a who lived. Manowar lived from March 29th, 20, 1917 to November first, nineteen forty-seven. Uh, it was a thoroughbred racehorse um, who won twenty of twenty-one races during his racing career, uh, winning two hundred forty-nine thousand four hundred sixty-five dollars, or in today's money, or well, sorry, twenty twenties money at least, three million two hundred twenty-three thousand dollars. Um. He was an unofficial 1920 American Horse of the Year, and it was honored with Babe Ruth as the Outstanding Athlete of the Year by the New York Times, uh, which is actually pretty funny. So currently, Man of War stands as my favorite horse, um, even though I don't like horses very much. Um, but Man of War was incredibly cool as far as horses go. He was a chestnut horse, apparently. But that's not the type of man of war that I really want to talk about. The type of man of war I want to talk about is coming up soon. But first, let's talk about the Portuguese man of war, which is also just known as the man of war, as a marine hydrozoan, which is found in the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. It's considered to be in the same species as the Pacific man of war, which is found in the Pacific Ocean, but you know, just man of war is the cool. It's one of two species in the genus Physalia, the other being the blue bottle, or blue bottle quote-unquote jellyfish, which in turn is the only genus in the family Physalidae. Uh, oh. Portuguese man of war is a conspicuous member of the Neustan, which is uh, organisms that live at the surface of the ocean or at the surface of a lake, river, or pond. Um, and basically... They have a sting powerful enough to kill fish, and even enough to kill humans sometimes. They resemble jellyfish, but they're not jellyfish. They're actually siphanophores, which are colonial organisms made of many smaller units. And they're massive. I don't know if you've ever heard of the size of one of these things, but uh, let's see, where, where can I find... I'm trying to find the size on the Wikipedia. Ooh, toxin of stings. We'll talk about the venom soon. But they are, I'm going to control, I'm going to see if I can find the word length. Yes. So the colony hunts and feeds, uh, what's it called? The, 
the tentacles can be uh, of like the the animal can be 10 meters or 30 feet in length but they can reach if uh, what's up that's like the typical but they can reach over 30 meters or 100 feet in length uh, they and each one of these tentacles is equipped with a ton of nematocysts, which trigger and inject venom on contact, stinging, paralyzing, and killing adult or larval squids and fishes. Large groups, uh, over sometimes over a thousand individuals, can deplete fisheries because they're so effective at killing fish and eating them. They're massive and also very cool. And this isn't even like the type of man of war that I wanted. To, I was most excited to talk about, even though they are probably the coolest. They also have a they have a bunch of venom that can paralyze small fish, fish and other uh, prey. What's up? Detached tentacles and dead specimens can sting just as painfully as the live organism in the water, and may remain potent for hours or even days after death. They can ca cause severe pain to humans, leaving red, whip-like welts on the skin that can last two to three days after the initial sting, though the pain should subside in about one to three hours, depending on the biology of who, uh, the person's done. However, they can travel to the lymph nodes that can cause symptoms that mimic an allergic reaction, including swelling of the larynx, which is also known as, like, part of, which is, like, in your throat, which is not good, airway blockage, cardiac distress, and an inability to breathe. They can also cause fever and shock, and in extreme cases, even death, though this is pretty rare. Um, medical attention for those exposed to large number of tentacles may become necessary to relieve pain or open airways. Um, if pain becomes excruciating, it will last for more than three hours, much like a Viagra, or if breathing uh, becomes difficult. Uh, instances where stings were complete or completely surround the trunk of a young child are among those that have the potential to be fatal. Whoo! This species is responsible for up to 10,000 human strings in Australia each summer, particularly on the East Coast. So if you're in Australia, you probably already know to be careful. Um, why are we breezing past your mention of Viagra? Because it was funny, but in a passing joke. This is the Portuguese man of war, which is located in the uh, near the coastline of the Atlantic and Indian Oceans, though there is also a Pacific one that is in the Pacific Ocean. They're located on coastlines usually, um, which is just kind of cool and also scary. But the Portuguese Man of War isn't even the one that... What? Hold on. What is... Has it only been two minutes? There's no way that this is... I've only been podcasting for two minutes. How long have you guys been in the live chat? Can you can you tell me a time? Because my pod being... Unless I have only been podcasting for two minutes. I feel like I've said a lot more than two minutes worth of stuff. You're kidding me. It's been two minutes? Okay, I need to slow down, apparently. Um... This is, this is wild. Um, but... Here, let's talk about the uh, type of man of war that I really wanted to talk about, which is, it's technically called the man of war, but also man of war, or simply man in some cases, which was a Royal Navy expression for a powerful warship or frigate from the 16th to 19th century. A term never acquired a specific meaning. It was usually reserved for a ship armed with a cannon and propelled primarily by sails. Um, 
the Man of War was developed in Portugal, also yet another Portuguese Man of War, what do you know, in the early 15th century with the earlier round ships, with the addition of a second mask to form the Carrick, which is Carrick, Carrick, I don't know how to pronounce words, which is a three or four masted ocean going sailing ship. Okay. Um, the this evolved into the galleon and then the ship of the line. The evolution of the term has been given thus by Talbot and Henry French Reddell's Fact, Fancy, and Fable from 1892, page 340. Man of War, a phrase applied to a line of battleship, contrary to the usual rule in the English language by which all ships are feminine. It probably arose in the following manner. Men of war were heavily armored sol armed soldiers. A ship full of them would be called a man of war ship. In process of time, the word ship was discarded as unnecessary, and there remained the phrase of a man of war. Thanks, Talbot. The man of war design developed by Sir John Hopkins, or Hawkins, not Hopkins, Hawkins, had three masts, each with three to four sails. The ship could be up to 60 meters long and have 124 guns, four at the bow, eight at the stern, and 56 in each broadside. All these cannons required three gun decks just to hold them. One more than any earlier ship. Had a maximum sailing speed of nine knots. This ship. That Do you see that broadside? If you count the... Assuming that all of the bow and stern ones can fire at once, which I'm not entirely sure that that's true. Or let's just take, let's just say that half of half of the guns can participate in the broadside, even though that's probably not exactly true, but I'm going to say half. That is a, what, 62 cannon broadside? Is it glitching? Wait, it's not me? Is it, is Podbean just being really glitchy right now? Okay, I'm going to stay on this page so I can watch and see if it's... Oh, it's, it's my Wi-Fi? Okay, never mind. Yeah, anyway, a 62 cannon broadside. That's insane. That is so cool and so insane. <laughs>